And just uh, already just been encouraged by the songs this morning, just thinking about that song, Just One More Soul. And, uh, you know, those, the first verse there where it talks about the preacher's weary and singers are tired. Sometimes when you're involved in ministry, it, it does get that way. And I uh, was driving Thursday afternoon. I'm coaching an under-17s basketball team this, uh, this, this current season. Uh, I think they were desperate. They needed someone to coach, and two of the boys um, attend the school. And so they reached out, and you know, I just thought, oh, it might be a good opportunity to, to get to know other people. And, and I was just driving to, to, the, to training um, after school with them. And one of the boys, John, he said to me, he said, um, Pastor, there's, there's more than 7 billion people in the world, isn't there? I said, yeah, there's more than 7 billion people in the world. And he said, well, if you think about it, he said, every day, probably someone gets saved, right? I said, probably. And he said, and that means then every day, there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. And this is a, this is a 15-year-old boy. And he's saying, isn't that wonderful that every day, every day there's, a, there's, a, there's rejoicing in heaven because someone's getting saved. And that's, that's really what it's about, isn't it? As we think about you know, the, our, our mission, our purpose, we, we go through what we go through. And today is about signing up, you know, being part of the ministry when we really want to boil down the ministry and all that we do in ministering to one another, it's to edify one another, but it's so that others can perhaps have the opportunity to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is worth it all. And I'm glad, and I'm, I'm glad that in heaven, and I was just telling him, you know, actually when you think about it, it's not, not, not the angels that are rejoicing per se, it's actually in the midst of the angels that are rejoicing. You know who that's rejoicing? God himself's rejoicing. And you think about that, and, and we're going to witness again this morning a couple of baptisms, those who've recently called upon the Lord, and, and I'm just glad, and, and I hope that you do buy in. I hope that you do have that, uh, that, that spirit today to say, hey, I want to be part of what God's doing, and I hope that you take the time this afternoon. But we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 14 this morning, and if you turn your Bible there again, we'll look at a couple of verses here, and we'll turn to different places as well. So if you get your Bible ready this morning, good to see you here. And uh, if you're, particularly if you're guests of our church, welcome. Thanks for coming and taking the time. I know that you probably had other choices and, and uh, other places that you could have chosen to be. You chose to be here, so God bless you for that. And glad that you can be part of it uh, this morning. And again, please feel free to stick around after the baptism and in yourself. Just look at the, the ministry market, see, see if there's anything that interests you and love to talk to you more about the Lord as well. But Luke chapter 14, and we're going we're gonna to read... Uh, we've read the, the, the passage of Scripture that we're, we're, we're going to be looking through, seeing the principles in. But what we're going to talk about, as you see on the screen there, is, is surrender. And surrender is one of the, the key, really one of the key concepts of, of Scripture. When you think about the Christian life, the Christian life, really, what you, you do with it boils down to your surrender. And yet, when we look at that, and I think there's, there's many passages of Scripture we can look at, but certainly this one, as we think about the, the subject matter here, that is really the cost of following Christ. And we didn't read the first two verses there in verse 25. Is, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them. And then he asks this question, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife, and what the, what he, what the, the crux of what he's saying there is, is, are you fully surrendered to me? Are you sold out? Are you all in? And, and he's, he's, he's challenging the, the multitude, and you imagine again the Lord Jesus in his ministry here on earth, the multitudes that would have followed Jesus just for the fact that, that they were seeing things that were unbelievable, they were seeing things that no one else had ever done, and they were seeing things that, that just were around, it just seemed to be around Jesus and his disciples, that, that would, have been, uh, would have been historical, and it was because we read about it now. And we, you imagine being there, and no doubt there would have been multitudes that followed Jesus, and yet his challenge to them was always this, are you real? Are you surrendered? And, and if that's the case, then, then why is it that we as Christians in 2022 
there's still sometimes a struggle about our surrender. Why is it that if that's really the crux of the matter when it comes to the Christian life, the, the denial of self and the, the, those things that are just part of surrender, the, why is it then that there's still a call out and there seems to be that, uh, that, that, that Christianity in, at large still has a struggle to really get its, the momentum that it needs? And we're asking those questions this morning. And I think the, the, the story and the illustrations of that bear it out. And I think what it is, is, is when we boil down to it, we make the decision between cost and benefit. What does it cost and what does it benefit me? And, and we do that in, in many ways in our lives. That's sort of how we make decisions over one thing or the other. What is the cost versus the benefit? And, and sometimes when we pay out a cost, we don't truly understand what the benefit could possibly be. I think about the, the story of how, uh, how Coca-Cola, back when it was invented in 1886, there was a, you know, for two years they had been selling this, this, uh, this beverage. It was unknown back then. And they were trying to, trying to make it the number one selling uh, sparkling beverage in the world. And, and, and although there was a, this was a great idea, it just didn't seem to be going anywhere. And, and the guy who created it, Mr. Pemberton, he just decided, you know, that it just wasn't worth it anymore. And so he partnered up with a guy named Asa Candler, who was a shrewd businessman, and he made an offer to Pemberton to buy the rights to Coca-Cola. You know how much he paid? One U.S. dollar. And now we look at it, and, and some of you, you've had two bottles this morning. <laughs> and now you're feeling guilty because you were planning to have another two at lunchtime. And, you know, we drink it, and it's, it's something that we enjoy now. It's the world over. If you think about missionaries, boy, the Coca-Cola missionaries are pretty good. They're in every corner of the world. And you think about that investment that cost a dollar, but it now, looking in hindsight, looking at what's actually transpired there, you're going to say, well, the benefit was worth the cost, right? But we don't often have that kind of hindsight in life. We don't always have that sort of, you know, understanding that this is the cost and this is the true benefit. And yet, we, we, make, we make decisions based on, on that all the time, on the perceived benefit and versus cost of something. We, we would ask ourselves when we go to the shops, is this, something, is this worth it? Is it worth it for this price? And, and we're actually calculating if the cost is going to at least meet the benefit that we're going to receive. And so... That's one of the ways that we decide. In, in economics, it's like that too. We weigh up whether something is worth it by examining a decision's cost versus its projected benefit. And you, you could see on commitment, we want to say, is it worth my time to do this? Is this going to be, is it, I'm going to, am I going to get a return on the cost of something? And, and we understand this is a, a fairly sound method when it comes to things that are tangible or quantifiable. Right? We just have to make the math work. We just have to make the maths work, and we have to just make sure as we do our sums that we understand. But it's easy to, to use this method when it comes to things that are quantifiable or tangible. But what about the things like the Christian life, where elements of faith are involved, where many things are invisible and we don't know? Many things we, don't, we won't see until one day in glory, and we won't see all of that. And we often we will try to understand something's value and estimate it based on reasoning and potential. And what we're doing is we're, we're, we're basing it on sight. Right? Well, what are we called to do? We are to walk by faith, not by sight. And, you know, often when we look at, look at trying to teach our children something, we, we try to give them an example, right? And have you ever tried to teach children how to, the value of money? You think about what they do, and, and you know, we're, we're doing this right now with, with our little one. Our, our two older ones, they, they, they know the value of money. Okay, they're already, they're already good at spending it, but our youngest one is still trying to learn that. And, you know, he'll go to the shops, and he says, we'll give him 20 cents. And he goes, I'm rich, you know. And, and you, you give him, and you ever sat with a child, and you said, hey, which one would you choose? And 
on your left hand, you have one coin. And on your right hand, you have five coins. On your right hand, you have five, 25, uh, five five-cent pieces. On your left hand, you have one $2 coin, and they look at it, and which do you think they would choose? Often they would choose the five cents. Why? There's five versus one. They don't understand the, the value, right? They don't understand because they're immature about it because they don't know yet. And so they make those choices based on sight, not based on faith, knowledge, understanding. And often we do that with life. You know, we weigh up whether we should serve God or not. We weigh up whether we should do this or not for the Lord. And what we do sometimes, we look at the, the cost and we don't often think about what the potential benefit can be. We don't often look at it from a, a, a holistic point of view of this could be something more. We, we often would, would, would side more to looking at the cost only. And, and really, when you think about it, that's the real tension between moving forward in the Christian life or staying put where you're at. That's the real tension. And you know, as a disciple of Christ, all of us here, we've got a call to move forward in Him. We're meant to be surrendered. But often we don't want to pay because we don't see the real benefit of it. And what we do is make an appraisal of Christianity based on sight. And so we're going to look at this, this passage of Scripture, and we're just going to make an analysis of surrender. We're just going to analyze some of the, the things that are happening in this passage of Scripture, and maybe even make some application to ourselves as we think about our service to the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I, I think about where we're at right now, and I think about the, the, the time in which we live in. I want to tell you that we need more and more Christians who will just be absolutely sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need that. We can't wait any longer and, and hope for things to get better. No, we need that today. And I want to tell you that, that you're weighing it up this morning, whether it's going to be worth your time and the cost and investment to do something for the Lord versus what we're not seeing the benefit. And I want to, I want to analyze that a little bit for you this morning as we go through Scripture. And so let's just, let's just pray. We'll ask the Lord to help us as we get into the message this morning. Father, we come before you and we want to thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness and grace. And again, dear God, just mindful, Lord, of uh, Lord, your call upon us as, as individuals and us as a church, dear Lord, to serve you. And yet, Lord, I, I, I just understand, dear God, that often the tension of what is immediate and those things that we see can so, so easily outweigh the things of eternity. And I pray that you'd help us, dear God, just to uh, maybe get some clarity about this this morning as we open your word. And we pray that you'd help us this morning in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. We'll start in verse 26. And really, we see some elementary premises. So some, some, some elementary things that we understand. He's making firstly a comparison in verse 26. He says, if any man come to me. And that word hate there used in our Bible is not the way we would use it today. It's really in comparison to something else. He's saying, in comparison to how you love me, in comparison to how you, you value me, in comparison to that, then this would how, how it would look toward other things. And in comparison to, uh, to our, our, our earthly relationships, he's saying your father, mother, wife, ch children and brethren and sisters. And then he even says, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. He's making a comparison. He's saying, compared to, to, to your love for these things and even yourself, your love for God and your love for those things of God should be way above those things that you have love for. He's saying he's making comparison. And he, what he's really asking there is, which do you value more? Which one do you value more? And, and you might think this morning, well, that's not a fair assessment. He's just saying he's making a contrast there for us. And we understand if you were to sort of sum up life, you would often sum up life with the, your loved ones, wouldn't you? You'd sum up those that you, that have, uh, that you, you know as your, your blood family, those that are your friends and, and those that you, you're, you're close to. You, you would look at the summary of your life and all of that and, and you, would, you would value life in a certain way. But he's saying in comparison to your love for me and how you value me, that would almost look like what we would say today, hate. That would almost look like you would so undervalue that compared to the value that you have for me. 
And he's making firstly a comparison, but then he gives him a challenge in verse 27. So thinking about that, he says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And the, the challenge he's putting out there is to follow him, but to do that, you've got to bear his cross. What that means is it's, it's enter his, into his mission, his purpose. You know, the, the, the Bible tells us that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so if you're here this morning, if you never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the reason he came was for you. He came for you. Like, like, just like he came for me when I was seven years old. And I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like some of our little ones that are getting baptized this morning in their, in their, uh, in their young age, they understood their need for Christ that's what the cross is. It's entering his mission, his purpose. Have you entered into his mission and his purpose for you? And then he says, come after me. That, that means to walk after him, to walk his path, to walk his journey. And you know, too many times we look at that and we, we know it's a, a difficult journey. We know it's a journey sometimes fraught with suffering. It's fraught with sacrifice. It's fraught with cost. But he's saying, you know, here's the challenge. If you're going to come after me, you're going to need to bear my cross and, and, and come after me, walking my path or journey, following the steps of Jesus. You know, some of us have been, uh, some of you, you've been to Israel and you've literally, you've walked the path of Jesus. You've walked where he walked while he was here on earth. And, and if you've been there, as some have told me, the, the, often it is, it's difficult walking. You walk all day and it's often uphill, those places. It's, a, it's, a, it's costly is what he's saying there. But then he says, be my disciple. And what that is, is learning from him, learning his way. It, it, there's an idea that, that there's our way then, and then there's, there's his way. And part of the challenge that he gives is that you're going to bear his cross. You're going to come after him and you're going to be his disciple. That means you're going to do it his way. You're going to go his way. You're going to walk the way he walked. You're going to talk the way he talked. And you're going to learn from him. And you're going to learn how to pray. And you're going to learn how to serve. And you're going to learn how to speak. And you're going to be more like him. Uh, my, again, Jaden came into my office this morning. And um, firstly, he, didn't, he wasn't wearing his shoes. So I thought, where's your shoes? And I realized, no, Jumping Castle, it's over there. So he ran out over there. And then he, 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 he's been trying to, he, you know how the youngest often are. And if you're the youngest, don't get offended. But, you know, you often want to copy the older siblings, right? And so, so Jaden's been trying to copy the older siblings. They both have a little journal that they, they use, a little diary. And so yesterday we went out to the shops and, and Jaden, you know, for the first time in his life, never asked for a toy. And I'm proud of him. He's really growing in the faith. But um, he really, he just asked for a diary. And he came in to, the, um, to my office this morning and he says, Dad, I'm becoming more of a Christian every day. And I just thought, yes, you need to be more like Christ. Don't be like me, be like Jesus. And that's really the, the, the challenge that, that, that Jesus is giving to those that were following him as far as physically the multitude. And what he's saying here is that really the, the, this elementary premise or the opening premise is it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And we're not talking about salvation. Salvation's free, praise God, right? But I'm talking about the Christian life it's going to cost you. That's the opening premise. That's the elementary premise that he's trying to, trying to explain here for us. But, but he wants us to get it. So he gives some explanations that are pictured here. And he uses two things. Look at verses 28 to 30. For which of you intending to build... So firstly, he uses the, the picture of a builder. Someone is going to build a tower. Verses 31 to 32, or what king going to make war? And so the second picture he's going to use is the battler. So we see firstly the, the builder, then secondly the, uh, the, the battler, the one that's going to go into battle, the one who's going to try to figure out if this, this war is going, to be, is going to be something that they can win. And what these two pictures are doing, they're, they're meant to explain it a little bit more. They're, they're meant to clarify what Jesus' original statement meant and what it is. The builder wants to finish, but, but he's wondering if he has enough resources to do it, right? We, we are in the middle of a resource shortage. 
If you're renovating or you're in the trades, you know how frustrating that is. You're trying to just get stuff and you just can't get it. And he's saying here to this builder, about this builder, he's, he's intending to build a tower, but, but maybe it's not the shortage of, of, uh, of, uh, of the actual materials, but within himself. He's saying he's got to sit down first and count the cost. How much is this going to cost me, whether it's sufficient to finish it? And he says later on in verse 29, Unless happily after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock. He's saying, you know, you don't want it to become a, a laughing stock because you didn't finish the job. You didn't finish the actual thing that you had intended to start. And then he says the battler, he's saying there the battler wants to, to be victorious, but he's wondering if he has enough resources to do it. So again, resources. Do I have enough soldiers to meet? Are my soldiers uh, equipped enough? And, and do they have the resources enough, the training enough to, to meet the one with the 20,000? Because I only have 10,000. Can I, can I win this fight with the limited resources I have? And so those are the, 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 the pictures that he's, he's trying to give to us. And in other words, he's saying, do I have enough to make it happen? Do I have enough in, in what, what has been given me to do the thing that is expected of me? Do I have enough to pay? Do I have enough to, do, do, to, to have in my, in my hands to, to be able to put the cost in so that I actually get the thing that I'm aiming for to do? And, and, and there's some things that are, are inherent in this. Firstly, the issue of risk. Right? There's a risk involved, isn't there? There's a risk involved. The risk is I'm going to go ahead and do it and then I'm not going to finish I'm going to go ahead and fight the battle and I'm going to be soundly defeated. And so there's a risk element. And risk is always there when we want to progress. Risk is inherent to that, in that. Why? Because life by its nature, and, and if I can clarify, we as human beings by our nature, there's a lot of unknowns in our lives. There's a lot of things that we Hope will work out, but don't always work out. There's some things that just, it just so happens, and there's just those unknowns. You know, I'm sure some of those businesses, I remember our local shops there at, uh, at Rouse Hill in Sydney. Just the week before COVID, this brand new shop opened. You know what it was? It was a luggage shop. Talk about Unfortunate. And it was this brand new luggage shop. There was all this luggage there, beautiful, every color under the sun. And then everything shut down and travel time out for two years. Now, last time we visited there, you can guess what happened. It's not there anymore. <laughs> and, and sad, right? A lot of businesses, that was their, that was their story during COVID, during this whole thing. Because they, that was unforeseen. They didn't know. They put in, but it didn't work out. So there's an element of risk. Risk causes us to question if what we have is enough to pay the price. That, that's the example of the builder. He was trying to figure out, do I have enough? to? I'm going to need to count the cost here. What risk does also causes us to look for other alternatives just in case. Because later on in, in verse 32, he says, or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador. He says, I'm going to send, send uh, those that will represent me so that they can, they can negotiate for peace instead. And that's what risk does. And, and you know, that's, that's so, so true in the Christian life sometimes because we're dealing in so many invisible things that are unknown. We sort of go and we sort of go, well, if I do this, then I'm not sure how this will work out. Yeah, I know many young people who were, were at one point like myself looking at ministry, looking at surrendering their life for the cause of Christ in a more, more full-time manner, so to speak. And I remember them sitting down and they had their spreadsheets trying to figure out how it's all going to work out, trying to put the numbers in, trying to figure out, well, if, if I do this and this and this, then, then this is all I'll have at the end of the month. And I remember sitting there with them and... and I, I did accounting, I did economics as, a, as my degree, but I remember sitting there going, that won't work. 
And I remember just, just the, the element of risk was too much for them. And I think that's the way some, some are when it comes to serving God and, and just surrendering more of their life to the Lord. Well, what about the unknowns, Pastor? Well, what about the element of risk? What about those things that, that may happen that are unforeseen? And, and what if it doesn't work out? And there's always going to be the element of risk when it comes to our lives. Why? Because we're limited. Why? Because it's inherent in mankind, in humanity, that there's risk. But, but we see that there's, that's not the only issue. What we see is the issue of resources. And we see that they both are wandering and, and they're in different ways, but really when it comes down to it, it's their resource. Both of them, the, both the, the builder and the battler, the, the problem that both faced was they were limited in, of themselves to cover what seemed necessary. So what was necessary to finish the build, they were trying to figure out if they had it. Now, if you, if you knew, you, if you were secure in that, you just go ahead and do it anyway. But then we see also with the, with the, the one going, the king going into battle, we see that, that he was trying to look at his soldiers and look at his army, looking at the resources that he has. And the problem both faced was they were limited in of themselves. You know, all of us here, we have that story. It doesn't really matter where our talents and treasures lie. All of us have limitations. You know what? Our greatest limitation is often time. We don't know what time we have. I know many young people who had great futures who don't have a future anymore. They're no longer here with us. We know plenty of those who thought they had more time, but come to think of it, they didn't. And we always have the issue of resources. See, the limitation, what it did, it caused them to pause. It caused them to sort of sit down and assess what they had versus the benefit of their decision. But notice where the weight of it was. It was in the cost. They were just focused on cost. The, the limit, limited resources that they had. But then the third thing is the issue of benefit. What, what benefits can happen? The benefit really when it came down to it was only ever going to happen if they were willing to pay. And you know in life you only get what you put in. You'll only ever get what you put in. And the thing with cost versus benefit, the thing that in this analysis of surrender is that we never get to surrender because actually we've focused so much on cost and we haven't spoken so much about benefit. Why? Because it's hard to see benefit when it comes to the Christian life. It's hard to, in a tangible way, it's hard in a quantifiable way to sort of go, if we spend this, this will be the outcome. It doesn't work that way in the Christian life. It, it doesn't. It, it's inherent in that. There's, there's actually elements there of risk that is just inherent in faith. Why? Faith is the evidence of things unseen and hoped for. Those things that are you can't quantify. And, and so we understand again that, that that's the... That's the picture there that he's saying, you know, the, all of these things, the, the two there, the two examples that, that God gives to clarify his opening premise was that there's a cost to these two, but they're not absolutely sure what the benefit actually will be. And, and the thing with that is, is that your benefit is totally linked to what you're willing to pay, what you're willing to put in. And then the emphasis presented there in Verse 33, he says, So likewise, whosoever, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You know what he's saying? It'll absolutely cost you. The, the discipleship will cost you. Your service will cost you. Progressing forward and growing and developing in the Christian life, it will cost you. It will cost you commitment. It will cost you the, the time involved and it'll cost you, it'll mean that you'll have to sacrifice a little bit to be able to do the thing that God has called you to do. And that's why in our world today that is so averse to risk and so is, is averse, so averse to cost 
we're not reaping the benefit that God intended us to, to reap. We live in a world that's so averse to risk. You, you know, in some ways, risk is glorified. If you've ever uh, stumbled into your children's lives of, sadly, of TikTok and all of that, you see some of the risk takers out there, the, the craziness that young people do and not so young people do. And yet, when you think about the society at large that we live in, if you've ever worked in the youth and, and, and children's space, you understand more and more that, that parents are becoming more and more risk-averse. It's things that we enjoyed in our youth, they don't have that anymore. It's just like, no, unless they're wearing helmets and pads and everything else, right? Unless there's a cover for them, unless there's, you know, I remember one day when I was a youth pastor, my pastor said, oh, you need to fill this out. And I looked at it, it was a risk assessment form for our insurance. And I was like, what is the world coming to? And we understand, we want to eliminate unnecessary risks. But, but you know, there's elements of life that, that actually it's only through risk that you grow. It's only through risk that, that we get the return. And yet we're so risk averse. We want guarantees. Of safety. We want guarantees of security. We want guarantees of this. And, and listen, life, if you've lived it long enough, there's no such thing. There's things you can try to eliminate. There's things that you try to think through. And yet risk will always be there. But we're so risk averse. But you know what? We're, we're also cost averse. And we all, we all do this. We all go shopping and we all compare it's much easier now than we ever. We could just go and someone's already done a comparison review, right? You look at one restaurant, one Thai restaurant versus the other, and what do you do? You, you, you look at Google reviews or, or whatever, the, what, whatever you use, Yelp. I don't know. What do you use? I don't know. But you look at the reviews and then what, you, you base your decision based on one over the other. Why? Because we want our money to go further than, than if we go this way. We weigh it up. We, we want, and we, we're, obviously, we want to be good stewards of the, the money that we have, but we understand then that we want to be, we're, we're a little cost averse. We don't want it to, to hit us hard, really, we don't want it to hit, it, hit us too hard. We don't want to take that, and, and we bring that consumer mindset into service for God, and we only ever do those things that are convenient. Because we don't want it to cost us too much, just in case. We don't want to go down that path where we're going through that because, well, do I have enough? Well, do I have the resources? Do I have what it takes? And what happens is then we miss out on actually the thing that is meant to be the outcome, the benefit of it all. And we're talking about eternal things, by the way. We're talking about things that don't just exist here on earth. It goes beyond. We have an inheritance incorruptible that fadeth not away. One day, if we serve God the way we ought to, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and it wouldn't be wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to be gold and silver and precious stones. And one day, it's going to be there, one day. But all of that right now, I'm telling you, it's all invisible right now. It's all faith. And so what happens is then we look at the cost and we look at the risk, and we forget all about the benefit. And that's what he was trying to bring out. Really, the emphasis presented here is discipleship will cost you. Serving God will cost you. Surrender will cost you. And the thing about, the thing about that is that God's economics don't work like man's economics. You know, even the principle of the tithe. You think about that, God's saying that you'll do more with 90% than you do with 100%. Maths doesn't work that way, does it? And yet he says it does. And God's economics aren't ours. And so here's the lessons and the applications that we learn from this, these couple of verses that we covered. And firstly, We've got to see the cost as part of the benefit. Because this only works when you see the cost as part of entering into a journey 
with a partnership. You know, the, the thing about discipleship coming after him, the thing about serving and surrendering is that you never do it on your own. You do it with the Lord. And actually, the thing that the, the greatest benefit of following after him is that you're with him. <laughs> that's, that's it. And, and again, we're, we're dealing with invisible things here, and, and we understand that the Lord Jesus isn't here on earth anymore. He lives within us. We have the, the Spirit of God. We have the Comforter. We have the, the Spirit that, te- that guides us unto all truth. But we understand as well that there, there's, there's, a, there's a closeness that we can have with the Lord. And we journey with Him. Part of the benefit is the actual cost. And the cost was to follow God. But if you think about it, this is, that's also the benefit. It, it just keeps giving. And it, right from the beginning, He told His own disciples in Mark 3.14... He says, he ordained 12 that they should be with him. You know, he chose those 12 so that they could be with him. You know, I can think of all of the the different tours that go to Israel. Um, There's one I I would would probably recommend, the one with with Pastor Skelly. He hosts several throughout the course of the year. I'd love to go to one one day, but I know some of our, our folks that recently came and they've just loved it. And I can think of that. I can think of other ones I've read about. That would be absolutely fantastic. But if I had a choice at any time in the history of the world, I'll tell you what, I'd love a guided tour of Israel with the Lord Jesus himself. <laughs> I would pay for that. But you know, the cost of that, if that, that trip ever existed, would be part of the benefit. You're actually doing that, and as, as you do that, there's that discipline of, 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 um, of, of sacrifice that is just something that God looks favorably upon. In Mark 1.17, Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. He's saying there, as you come after him, it's, it's the transforming work that he does in you as you follow after him. There's a benefit to the cost. As you do that, as you maintain that walk with God and that, that, that heart uh, level dedication and delighting in the Lord, then other things happen in your life. And, and you know, you, you think about even uh, the simple thing of reading your Bible. It takes time. It takes discipline. But you know what? If you find that you've read through your Bible and you're do, doing that regularly, you know, you're going to find if you stop to think about it, it's benefiting you without even you knowing it. It's transforming you. It's, it, it helps you through times when you're just you're in panic mode. God's word somehow just grips your heart to calm your storm. And we've got to see the cost as part of the benefit. And the issue really isn't if we're able. The issue here is if we're willing. And he's saying the reality is if we count the cost... To understand that in ourselves we don't have the wherewithal to do so. But Jesus says, let that go, I've got it. He says in Mark 8.35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So he's saying if you sacrifice and you surrender, then that's the way you're going to save it. So the cost is part of the benefit. The, the journey is part of that, the, the, what you get out of it. And the fact is, we keep weighing up the ins and outs of the Christian life when the challenge is simple, follow me. Follow me. See, the more I follow, the more I see God work in my life. The more I follow, the more I'm able to bear pain and make sense of trouble. The more I follow, the more I am able to trust God. The more I am able to have a distaste for the affections of this world, the more I follow, the more I am like Christ. And that's the benefit. Secondly, we've got to see that we've got to pay the cost to see the benefit. And the, the, the cost of surrender, it is a cost. There's this accounting term, and sorry to bore you with these things, but there's a thing called cost of goods sold, right? Cost of goods sold is really the, the price that you pay in order to make a profit. Okay, so and understanding that, in order to profit, you've, you've got to be willing to incur a loss at first. And, and that's what it is. You know, at, at first, when you, 
serve God and you surrender, there's, a, there's an inherent cost to that. It, there's a bit of a pain. There's a bit of a something missing that, you know, you have a little less in your pocket. You have a little less time. You have a little less of, uh, of the talent that you're giving because you're so giving it. But at the end of it, you know, you're never going to get through to see the benefit if you're not willing to pay the cost in the first place. And so you've got to incur, you've got to incur the cost to see the benefit. And what I'm saying is if you're not surrendered, then you're going to, you're going to miss out on what God had, 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 had saved up for you. I think about Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, some of us here are wondering, and I hope we're all wondering, actually, what the perfect will of God is for us. You know where it begun, that whole trail of thought? Sacrifice. Cost. Surrender. You'll never get to the will of God without surrender first. And so many of us are, are wandering around, walking around, sort of mindlessly going, is this what God's will is for us? Is that what God's will is for us? But we won't surrender a thing. We won't surrender our ambitions. We won't surrender our affections. We won't surrender all those things that, that are inherent in life. We just sort of go along and just hope it happens. No, the path to the will of God is surrender. Look with me in Luke chapter 9. Turn, turn there with me really quickly. Look at verse 59. He said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, we won't, we won't take the time. We can preach another message on that. But what, what it is, is they're going me first. They're saying my ambitions first. My duties first. And it was me first. And you know, too many Christians live happy to have a free deal at salvation. But they don't fully understand that the cost was paid by Christ's surrender and we've got to be willing to pay the cost to then follow. You think about what Jesus did. He endured the cross, despising the shame. You know what? He, he paid the cost so he can, we can see the benefit. He paid the cost so that we can. And, and one day for him, he'll be, the, he'll be on the throne with those that he's, he's died for, worshiping, casting crowns at his feet. And Jesus did the same thing. You know, David understood this in 1 Chronicles 21. We won't take the time to turn there. But in 1 Chronicles 21, there was a... Uh, there was a curse on the land because of David's own sin. And to undo it, he needed to, to go and, and sacrifice on a specific plot of land. Uh, the, the, that plot of land was, a, was owned by a fellow by the name of Ornan. Okay, and Ornan came and he saw the king. And of course, he wanted to pay respect to the king. And so he goes over and he says, look, whatever you need, don't worry about it. I will provide it. I'll even provide the bullocks for you to, uh, for you to sacrifice. And David said, no. And what he basically said was, no, no, I've got to pay the cost. And he understood that he needed to pay the right price for that piece of land and the right price for those bullocks because he wanted to see the benefit. And you know what that site ended up being? That was the site of the temple. It became the site where the temple was built. It became the site where God's very presence was, was, was felt on this earth. It became the place where Solomon built that. And I'm saying he, he understood that in order to get the full benefit of what was, what was God's will and God's plan was he was, he was having to willingly pay the cost and bear the, bear, the, bear the price of that. And you know, we wonder sometimes why our Christian lives are unsatisfied. We wonder why there seems to always be a void, but I want to ask you, how's the surrender? Because you have to be willing to incur the cost to see the, the, the full benefit of it all. And what happens is when you don't surrender, you lose. 
And when you do surrender, all you do is profit. And he's saying there in John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a, worn of, a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You think about that little seed that just, that just goes in the ground and it dies to self. It's surrendered and then out of it comes all of the, the fruit that we enjoy. And if you think about it, if you don't pay the cost, what's going to happen is you'll pay an even greater cost. There's a great loss. There's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ one day where you're going to stand before a holy God and it's not going to be a judgment of whether you're saved or not. That's, that, that's, that's up to you here on earth. You're going to have to decide that for yourself, whether you're going to trust Christ as your Savior. But one day, if you are saved, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And He's going to stand there and He's going to weigh out. He's going to put out all of those works that you've done for Him. And He's going to set fire to it. And it's either going to be wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. And there's going to be weeping then. There's going to be great loss. You won't lose your salvation, Christian. But you'll lose your reward. You'll lose all those things that you thought you had done. You thought, but you know, maybe it just wasn't all. Surrender. And then the last, really quick, the lesson is this. We've got a risk to follow God. You've got a risk to follow God. You know, the, the last lesson is about risking it all because you're, you're going to follow God. And that's really the impetus of the passage that we, we spoke about. The cost of surrender is this. It's about taking the risk. Taking the risk and doing it anyway. See, the last lesson is about risking it all because you're following God. In effect, what you're doing when you think about it is, is surrendering the inherent risk and placing the risk in a greater power. You're putting the responsibility on God. Now, I don't know about you. I think God's pretty responsible. <laughs> He's faithful. And there's times where we th don't think, well, I, I can't manage the risk. You don't have to manage the risk. God will manage the risk for you. Listen, we do that every day. You know what it's called? Insurance. <laughs> you drive your car risking your road skills versus their road skills. Why? You don't feel like you don't, you're not fearful every morning driving. Why? Because you know if you get in a ding, you're insured. There's a higher, there's a group of people that have pulled their money and you get a piece of that because of a risk. We do that all the time. By the way, unseen, by faith. And yet in the Christian life, we measure it out and we go, oh, I can't do that. I can't surrender to the deep, dark jungles of Africa. Well, I can't go across the street and, and sp speak to that neighbor. It's risky. I mean, what if they reject me? And we look at all of that and we think God, like God is out of control or something. Like God can't, ha can't handle that. Oh, what if I get disappointed? What if I get this and what if I get that? Listen, all of those are inherent risks in life, but we have one who can handle all the risk. And that's God himself. And I'm not talking here this morning about being foolish. I'm saying that, th that, that all of us here, we have the opportunity to actually trust God more. And we've got a risk to follow God. Sometimes the unknowns are actually the opportunities we have to see God come through. And I think about the, the times where I've, I've put my own ambition on just the throne of God once again. Plans that I, when I estimate, would have done well. But I think about all of that and I think about the unknowns. They've been the opportunities when we've seen as a family God come through. We've seen God do it over and over again. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, when we go about and risk all within the parameters of following God, that's real faith and there's real benefit. You know, when we risk all to follow our own appetites, it's called foolishness. And we risk much more for lesser guarantees. And when we start to look at the risk, at our lack of resources and the outcomes, we can start to delve into the realm of doubt and fear. And we've got to, at this point, remember the cost to pay of surrender and the benefit is all in God's work and in His hands. And so this morning, as we've just 
analyze surrender. What are you putting your weight on? You know, have you put all your weight on the risks and the, the costs, but you've forgotten all about the benefit? You've forgotten about the, the, the joy of journeying with the Lord. You've forgotten about the, the safety and security in trusting Christ. The, the, the joy that, that as we labor for Him, He's not forgetful to, to know our works and our labors of love, that, that He's a faithful God who sees it all and knows it all, and in the end, in all of His goodness, rewards us openly. And many times when we're talking with one another, maybe with, even with our children, we talk all about risk. We talk all about cost. Well, when was the last time you just sold the benefit of it all? When was the last time your, your child asked you, well, why do we go to church so much? And you just told them, you know why? Because that's where we hear from God. Because actually, son, it was at the altar where I just, God changed my life. And guess what? You know, your life is much better because God did something in my heart at church. Well, Dad, why, do we, why are we here on a Saturday and why, why does it seem like we're always only the ones serving? And listen, when was the last time you said, you know, son, it's, I know, I get it. Like, it, it, t- it takes a lot of effort. But, you know, tomorrow people will sit here and God's going to speak to them and maybe one of them will get saved. You know, it's the invisible stuff we forget, but that's the benefit. And too many times we sell ourselves on short because all we're focused on is the cost. But if we're going to be proper in our analysis of surrender, we better remember all of the benefits too. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, just for the opportunities that we have on this earth in this time to serve you. And Father, I know, Lord, that all of us here, to some degree, we're, we're averse to risk. We're averse, Lord, to cost. And Lord, that's just the, the stretched. Lord, we, we pause knowing that Lord, at times we could be stretched to do what you were supposed to do in you. And yet, Lord, in all of that, there's the, the forming of you in us. Lord, it's the, the future reward, the, the things that we're going to get to see. And Lord, let, I, I pray that you'd help that not to be lost on us as we, Lord, just make decisions as we, as we Lord, figure out whether we ought to surrender or not. I pray, dear God, that you'd allow us, Lord, not, not to... Not to forget about, Lord, what, what you would have for us, the, the benefit. Lord, the true riches as you sometimes put it in your word. I pray that you'd help us, dear God, to just see that. And as a church and as individuals, just, Lord, make it a point to just again surrender ourselves to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have a time of invitation. If you're a guest of our church, this is simply a time where we respond to the, the word of God being preached.